morning, Idaho. I hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the local Yokel Idaho podcast, where we talk about what is going on in the wonderful state of Idaho. Welcome to the morning banter. This is kind of just a time that I chat with you guys a little bit in a semi less formal state because most of the podcast, I'm just trying to get you guys raw value about what's going on in the state and news and things rather than this period is more just a time for me to talk to you, the audience about stuff in Idaho, interesting things that I may not have facts or stuff ready, but just just a general conversation before we get into the bulk of business. But with that said, um, is it just been me? I mean, I know I'm talking about the Treasure Valley and there's the whole rest of the state that I haven't been in lately, but that the Treasure Valley is cold, but yet not cold. Like the highs are only like just above freezing here in the Treasure Valley this last week. But yet when I've walked outdoors a couple times, like Wednesday in particular, I went for a walk and it was nice. I mean, I was sitting there and I'm like, why did I bundle all up? It said it was like 34 degrees Fahrenheit, but all I need to do is have like one layer on. I don't know if that just comes down to our bodies getting so acclimated at this point here in Idaho to the temperatures and stuff. I mean, a perfect example of that is I remember, and it'll probably happen again this year because welcome to Idaho's weather, right? It's kind of crazy um, that we like will have a part of the winter season where we'll hit like 50 for like a week or a couple days or something. And everyone's out there in like shorts and t-shirts and everything. And they're like, Oh, this is so warm. But then if you like think about it, you can remember like back in January, um, not January, I have that back June or July, the other J J months, um, going outside and it would be like 60 and you'd be like, Ooh, it's cold uh, or 70 or something. But then you're sitting here and you're like, wait, but I'm not feeling cold and it's 50. And it's just kind of fascinating how that like acclimation has such a big effect on you. Usually when I hear people that talk about them being really cold or stuff, I'm like, well, how often are you outside? And they're like, Oh, hardly ever. Cause it's so cold. Well, I'm like, well, there's your problem that like, if you were outside a lot, your body would get acclimated to that cold. It wouldn't be that bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely people um, like my mother and others that have really bad like blood circulation. And so they easily get cold on like their extremities. So like their fingers and their feet and stuff. And I have that in a small way as well because I'm not a really, really high blood pressure type of person. So that's understandable. I, I can understand that. But still, I mean, if you're a person who sits there and really doesn't like the cold and hates feeling cold, I would argue it's actually you should more often go outside and seek out the cold and you'll acclimate a lot better. And yeah, it's going to really, really suck and you're probably going to be grumpy. But if you do it in those beginning months or in the later winter, you'll get acclimated. And so it won't really be as bad as you think. But if you keep running from it, you know, kind of a story for life at times, right? If you keep running from a thing and you never face it, if you're always running from stress, if you're always running from worry, then you will always at the slightest flinch of it, get scared by it and not be able to adapt in it rather than if you're uh, used to being in an environment that may have some fear or maybe being in an environment that's stressful, then you easily cope with it. And it's like nothing and you can just adapt, but that depends on the heights of it that you've experienced. Now, with that said, kind of coming off that kind of deep introspective thought, we is it just me or like the why in Boise has just had a lot of weird stuff going on lately? I mean, for those on the rest of the state to give context in the kind of Treasure Valley area, when you travel through here, there is kind of a big connector that we all call the Y where the main freeway that kind of travels through splits off and there's one that goes downtown and off to a whole bunch of other stuff there. And we call that the Y because it makes, you know, big Y as the name implies. 
Um, and I've reported on it the last couple of weeks, but I swear every week so far for the last couple of weeks, there's always something that's happened there. I mean, one time there was a gentleman that walked onto the road and brandished a weapon. Um, there was a really bad wreck. I think a couple of weeks back, there was a man that shot a police officer there. And then just, uh, Wednesday night, I was uh, driving into town for a friend and I was getting on the Y and there was like a big pileup and there was an ambulance and police cars and different stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? What is like the focus here? I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like a central place. And so if a problem's going to happen, it's going to happen there. And it's near the mo- one of the more populous areas in Idaho. I don't know, but it's just weird how so many like interesting, well, not interesting, I should say, negative events are like occurring near the Y in the last couple of weeks. I mean, correlation is not always causation, but still just, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it just me or does there seem to be a lot there? And then in more like, I guess, planning manners and stuff, I am considering maybe this week or next week or whatever. Uh, well, not this week because I've already recorded all that. But um, next week, possibly shrinking the holidays and interesting events for the week. Right now, I'm trying to see what time I have and what I can do and where can I cut time and save time so I can add stuff because I really do. I'm working very diligently right now to try to add a political element to the pol cast where it regularly talk about what politics are going on at the state level, what the governor is doing, what the Idaho House and Senate are doing and judicial maybe. Um, and I really want to add that. And I've heard from the people that I've talked about that that would be a really, really great thing for you guys. And so I'm trying to work on that. But also that's adding more time, more research, more editing and different stuff. And so I'm trying to look at the limited time I have for this podcast because this isn't my full-time job how I'm going to fit that in there. And so I'm thinking I might scrap and um, kind of alleviate. I don't want to get rid of it completely because there's definitely some interesting things. I think the national days are always either funny or interesting or kind of an excuse to just do something your week. And those take like hardly any time to put in there. So I definitely want to put that. I might scrub the amount of birthdays and deaths. I've already done that once. I might do it again so that it's just really, really relevant. I mean, the biggest pot spot I might kind of cut it down would be in history, that it would just be maybe like American history or just really big things. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, give me some feedback. If you guys have some thoughts on that, if you guys like really, really, really like um, the holidays and interesting events being in here, then let me know. Send me, you know, a message on Twitter or email. And we'll if you guys really like it, then we'll keep it in there and I won't cut that. And we'll try to figure out how to fit everything together. But if you guys, yeah, I could care less, you know, just make it a little shorter, Tyler. That's fine. It doesn't need to be as long as it is. Yeah, it's interesting and I enjoy it a little bit, but I wish it was shorter so we can get to the rest of the stuff. If that's the case, then great. You know, um, I'll cut it down. We'll make it a little bit more short and to the point, but still informative and some kind of fun little facts for the morning about the week and stuff. And then we'll move on with it. But I'm not sure. Um, I'm thinking about that. I'm considering that to see if it'll save me time. I've cut it down enough that it's pretty quick in the mornings for me to do just to be like blah, 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 and then done. Um, but yeah, your feedback would be greatly appreciated. And on that note, um, yet I've said this before and I'll say it again, just trying to encourage you guys, if there's events or stuff that you know, that's going on around the state or things that happen somewhere that you think are relevant or you're curious about what's going on, then please send me a message. Um, I really, really do want to hear about you guys and I want you to be involved in the podcast and let me know, um, about things that you find interesting and want to know more about and want other people to know about in the state of Idaho. So please do reach out to me if there's an event that either you're planning or you regularly attend that you think a lot of people 
um, would enjoy and it would be a blessing in their lives, then do reach out to me. If there's some news thing that you learned about and you're not hearing it in the regular news sources and different stuff, then send it my way so I can share it and the rest of us here in Idaho and throughout everywhere can kind of uh, hear about it and learn about it. Um, because yeah, the more you guys add to it, the better the podcast is that I, I try to do my best to research, but at the end of the day, if all of us work together on trying to build this podcast and have it cover all these interesting topics and you guys actively just reporting and letting me know about things, it makes for a way, way, way more richer, way more um, dynamic podcast that you guys have built, that you guys have helped, that it's not just me, but you guys can affect and direct the way that this podcast is going because it's meant to be you. It's meant to be local. We're all Idahoans. This is a podcast about Idaho. I want those in Idaho to contribute to it and be involved in it. But that said, a little bit of a shorter morning banter. I mean, there's definitely someone out there that's probably like, okay, get off, stop. (laughs) Um, But uh, let's get into the rest of the stuff here. Starting off with Monday, Monday the 30th of January is National Bubble Wrap Day and National Croissant Day. As for in history, in 1815, Thomas Jefferson reestablished the U.S. Library of Congress with 6,500 volumes, which had burned down. In 1902, Britain and Japan signed a treaty that committed each country to support an independent China and Korea, which also acknowledged Japan's special interest in Korea. In 1933, Paul von Hindenburg appointed Adolf Hitler as Reich Chancellor of Germany. In 1965, Winston Churchill had a state funeral at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. That was the largest state funeral in the world at the time. As for birthdays, Monday was Franklin D. Roosevelt's birthday and is Christian Bale's 48th birthday. As for deaths, in 1836, Betty Ross died. In 1948, Gandhi died. And lastly, in 1948, Orville Wright died. Next is Tuesday. Tuesday, the 31st of January, is National Hot Chocolate Day and National Planning for Vacation Day. As for in history, in 1865, Congress voted 121 to 24 to pass the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, abolishing slavery in the U.S. In 1865, Robert E. Lee was named the Commander-in-Chief of Confederate Armies during the U.S. Civil War. And lastly, in 1955, President Harry Truman publicly announced his support for the developing of a hydrogen bomb. As for birthdays, Tuesday was Jackie Robinson's birthday and is Justin Timberlake's 41st birthday. And as for deaths, only one in 1974, Samuel Goldwyn died. Wednesday, Wednesday the 1st of February is National Dark Chocolate Day, Girls and Women's Sports Day, Get Up Day, and National Freedom Day. As for in history, in 1843, the oldest insurance company in America was founded, the Mutual Life Insurance Company of New York. In 1885, the first volume of the Oxford English Dictionary was published. In 2003, the space shuttle Columbia disintegrated during re-entry into Earth's atmosphere, killing seven astronauts. In 1893, Thomas Edison completed the first movie studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Lastly, in 1972, the first scientific handheld calculator was introduced. As for birthdays, Wednesday was Clark Gables, Boris Yeltsin's, 
and Lisa Presley's birthday, and is Harry Styles' 28th birthday. As for deaths, in 1851, Mary Shelley died, and in 1981, Donald Douglas died. Thursday. Thursday is the 2nd of February, which is National Optimism Day and National Groundhog Day. As for in history, in 1653, New Amsterdam became a city, which would later become New York. In 1848, a treaty was signed for the Mexico-American War. With this, the U.S. acquired Texas, California, New Mexico, and Arizona for $15 million. In 1892, the longest boxing match under modern rules happened, which went 77 rounds between Harry Sharp and Frank Crosby. Lastly, in 1943, the German 6th Army surrendered after the Battle of Stalingrad which marked a turning point in the war in Europe. Nothing for birthdays. As for deaths, Thursday in 1969, Boris Karloff died. And lastly, in 1996, Gene Kelly died. Friday, Friday the 3rd of February is National Chaplain's Day, Bubblegum Day, and the day the music died. As for in history, in 1870, the state of Iowa ratified the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And lastly, in 1966, Soviet Luna 9 made the first soft landing on the moon. As for birthdays, Friday was Elizabeth Bakewell's birthday and is Elizabeth Holmes' 38th birthday. As for deaths, in 1924, Woodrow Wilson died. In 1959, Bud Holly died. And in 2005, Charlie Sifford died. Saturday, Saturday the 4th of February is National Play Outside Day and Homemade Soup Day. As for in history, in 1789, the first U.S. Electoral College chose George Washington as the president and John Adams as the vice president of the United States of America. In 1936, the first radioactive substance was produced synthetically. And lastly, in 2004, Mark Zuckerberg launched Facebook from his Harvard dormitory. As for birthdays, Saturday was Charles Lindbergh's and Rosa Parks' birthday. As for deaths, in 1880, James Donnelly died, and in 1975, Louis Jordan died. Last one here, Sunday, Sunday the 5th of February is World Nutella Day. In 1597, 26 early Japanese Christians were killed by the new government of Japan for being seen as threats to Japanese society. In 1945, U.S. troops under the command of Douglas MacArthur entered the Philippines, which was followed by a month of fighting that ended the three-year occupation of Japan. And lastly, in 1969, the United States population reached 200 million. As for birthdays, Sunday was John Witherspoon's and Robert Peel's birthday. As for deaths, in 2020, Kirk Douglas died. For upcoming events, I'm going to read the timestamp for each town. That way you can jump to whichever town you're interested in, thus saving you time. Starting off with Boise at 17 minutes, 46 seconds. Meridian at 20 minutes, 26 seconds. Nampa at 20 minutes, 41 seconds. Caldwell at 21 minutes, 31 seconds. Weezer at 22 minutes, 4 seconds. Eagle at 22 minutes, 25 seconds. Cuna at 23 minutes, 32 seconds. Emmett at 23 minutes, 47 seconds. Twin Falls at 24 minutes, 37 seconds. Pocatello at 25 minutes, 38 seconds. 
Idaho Falls at 27 minutes, 32 seconds. Rexburg at 28 minutes, one second. McCall at 29 minutes, seven seconds. Cascade at 30 minutes, 27 seconds. Lewiston at 31 minutes, five seconds. Moscow at 32 minutes, 24 seconds. Coeur d'Alene at 33 minutes, two seconds. Post Falls at 33 minutes, 27 seconds. Sandpoint at 33 minutes, 39 seconds. End of events is at 24 minutes, 16 seconds. Starting off with events, we have Boise. In City Events, Monday, there is a Historic Preservation Commission meeting at 5.45 p.m. at Boise City Hall. Then Tuesday, there is a City Council work session and meeting at Boise City Hall. The work session is at 3.30 p.m. and the meeting is at 6 p.m. Moving on to Wednesday, there is an Open Space and Clean Water Advisory Committee meeting at 4 p.m. at Boise City Hall. Also Wednesday, there is a Public Works Commission meeting at 4 p.m. at Boise City Hall. Then moving on to Thursday, there is a City Council meeting at 9 a.m. at Boise City Hall. Then next Monday, February 6th, there is a Planning and Zoning Commission meeting at 5.10 p.m. at Boise City Hall. And then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a City Council work session and meeting at Boise City Hall. The work session is at 3.30 p.m. and the meeting is at 6 p.m. As for performances, Saturday, there is a Bluegrass Winterfest from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Ironwood Bar and Grill in Garden City. Then also Saturday, there is the 2023 WWA Banquet from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Expo Idaho. Then next Monday, February 6th, there is a 5x5 reading series at 7 p.m. at BCT. Tuesday, February 7th, Amor Tolls will be presenting at the Morrison Center at 8 p.m. In Fun Stuff, Saturday, there is an event called Fantastical Fairy House at 1 p.m. at the Cat Arts. It is a three-week course making a ceramic fairy house. Also Saturday, there is a British Cars and Coffee meetup from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Boise Spectrum Center. 
Then Sunday, there is a women's cascade snowshoe and hot spring event from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Wild Heart Idaho Boise. They will be taking girls ages 15 to 18 snowshoeing up in Cascade. Then also Sunday, there is a youth group meeting from 11.45 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Table Rock Church. Also, every Sunday, the Boise Depot has a open house and tours. It is open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and the tours are from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. And lastly, in fun events, there is an exhibit called Slime at the Discovery Center. It is an exhibit covering 3,000 square feet, teaching about non-Newtonian fluids. It ends February 5th. And lastly, in other events, Wednesday, there is a virtual fruit tree pruning class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. The class is free, but you will need to register for that. For more information on anything talked about, go to the Boise City website or check the link in the description below. Meridian, only one event here, but nothing in city. In fun events, Monday, the Meridian Knights Chess Club is holding a meet at 12.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Meridian Public Library. For more information on anything talked about, go to the link in the description below. Nampa, I got one thing for city here. Next Monday, February 6th, there is a city council meeting from 5.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the council chambers. Then as for performances, Thursday to Saturday, there is a performance of the Titanic musical at 7.30 p.m. at the Nampa Civic Center. In Fun Stuff, Friday, there is an event called Locked In for Kids at 7 p.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. It is an all-night movie, swimming, games, and pizza event where they will the kids will be locked in for the night at the Harvard Rec Center to enjoy and socialize. There will be parents supervising that. It is $30 for non-members and $25 for members. Then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a pickleball lesson course from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. For more information on anything talked about, go to the Nampa City website or check the link in the description below. Caldwell got two things here for city. Wednesday, there is a mayor's youth advisory council meeting from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at the Caldwell Police Department. Then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a city council meeting from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Caldwell Police Station. In Fun Stuff, Saturday, there is a Kids Connect event from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Caldwell Public Library. Also Saturday, the Caldwell Depot is having an open house from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. For more information on anything talked about, go to the Caldwell City website or check the link in the description below. Weezer, same MO in fun events. Wednesday, there is a 4-H game programming after school series event from 4 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at 116 West Idaho Street. They'll be learning about computer science through game programming. It is an ongoing event and it is $35 for the program year. For more information about that event, go to the link in the description below. Eagle got a couple things for city here. Starting off Monday, there is a special planning and zoning commission meeting at 6 p.m. at the council chambers. Then Wednesday, there is coffee with the mayor from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. at the council chambers. Then next Monday, February 6th, there is a planning and zoning commission meeting at 6 p.m. at the council chambers. There will be three public hearings, one on annexation and rezoning, one on plot approval for Brookstone subdivision, plot approval for rocking a ranch division, and plot approval for tip point subdivision. Then lastly, in city events, next Tuesday, February 7th, there is an Eagle Urban Renewal Agency meeting at 6 p.m. at the council chambers. As for performances, Tuesday, Justin Nielsen and Jay Moultonen are playing live music from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 1117 East Winding Creek Eagle. Then Sunday, there is an annual TVH RC banquet from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Idaho Pizza Company on River Street. 
For more information on anything talked about, go to the Eagle City website or check the link in the description below. Cuna, Just City events here. We've got two of them. Wednesday, there is an Urban Renewal Agency meeting at 6 p.m. at Cuna City Hall. And then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a City Council meeting at 6 p.m. at City Hall. For more information about those, go to the Cuna City website. Emmett, nothing in city, but in performances, Wednesday, the Emmett High School Huskies will be playing the Valley View High School Falcons at 7 p.m. at the Emmett High School. Then Saturday, there's a Lincoln Day dinner from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at 4131 West Central Road. It is $40 per person and $500 per table. In fun events, Wednesday, there is the first Wednesday event day. As of writing this, there is no location or time for the event or content, so please check to see if that's still happening or if there's an update on that. Then Thursday, there is a Gem County Christian High School game day from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at 10th Street Ball and the RV Park Covered Picnic Area. For more information about anything talked about, go to the Emmett City website or check the link in the description below. Twin Falls, mostly city events, but we do have one in the other category. Monday, there's a special urban renewal agency meeting from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Monday, there is also a city council meeting from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Then moving to Wednesday, there is a planning and zoning commission meeting from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Then next Monday, February 6th, there is a historic preservation commission meeting from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Also next Monday, February 6th, there is a historic preservation commission meeting from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. and a city council meeting from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Then next Tuesday, February February 7th, there is an airport advisory board meeting from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And there is a public arts commission meeting from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Locations are not provided for any of these events because that's on Twin Falls yet again. As for other events, Friday, there is an avalanche awareness presentation from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Adventure Motorsports of Twin Falls. For more information on anything talked about, go to the Twin Falls City website or check the link in the description below. Pocatello, here we go for city events. Tuesday, there is a site planning review meeting from 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. at City Hall. Also Tuesday, there is a Chamber of Commerce meeting from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Then moving to Wednesday, there is a Child Care Advisory Committee meeting from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at City Hall. And there is a Historic Preservation Commission meeting from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. also at City Hall. Then moving on to Thursday, there is a Parks and Recreation Commission board meeting from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. at the Community Recreation Center. Also Thursday, there is a City Council Clarification Meeting from 5.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. at City Hall. Then we move to next week with next Tuesday, February 7th. There is a Site Planning Review Meeting from 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. at City Hall. Also, there is a Pocatello Arts Council Meeting from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at City Hall. And also next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a Chamber of Commerce Meeting from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. In performances, Friday, there is an open mic night from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Unit Tramp Room. Then Saturday, there is the Pocatello Spring Dinner from 5.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Phil Meter Toyota. Then in fun things, next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a free ski night at Pebble Creek Ski Area. Just make sure to get one of the free tickets. In other events, Wednesday, there is a team roping event called Lodum in the Dark from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Bannock County Event Center. Then moving to Friday, there is an Avalanche Awareness presentation from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Switchback Motorsports. Then Saturday, there is a beginning skating class from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Delta Skating. It is $48 for four weeks of lessons. 
And then also Saturday, there is an Avalanche Companion, different than the other one, Rescue Planet from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Crystal Summit. For more information about anything talked about, go to the Pocatello City website or check the link in the description below. Idaho Falls, nothing in city, but in performances, Thursday, Bob Lake and Illusionist will be performing from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Colonial Theater. In other events, Wednesday, there is the 2023 Organic Gardening Class from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. This week, they'll be going over water-wise gardening. And then moving to Saturday, there is the East Idaho Preschool Fair from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at the Idaho Falls Public Library Room. For more information about those events, go to the link in the description below. Rexburg, nothing related to in the city category. As for performances, Monday, there is a free movie playing at 6.30 p.m. at the Romance Theater. They don't say what movie it is, but it's free, so you can't be too picky. As for fun things, Thursday, there is an intro to watercolor class for adults at 7 p.m. at City Hall. You will need to register for that. Then moving to Friday, there is the first Friday art stroll at 5 p.m. in downtown Rexburg. There will be public displays of art throughout the town. Then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is an art exploration event at 3 p.m. for kids at City Hall. The Rexburg Arts is putting it on. You will need to register for that. And then also next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a creative corner for teens at 4.30 p.m. at City Hall. In other events, Tuesday, there is a fencing class from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at BYU. Then Wednesday, there is a musical theater for adults at 5.30 p.m. at the Romance Theater. You will need to register. And then lastly, Thursday, there is an open studio for adults at City Hall at 10 a.m. And you will need to register for that as well. For more information about anything talked about, go to the link in the description below. McCall got a couple city events here. Monday, there is a public art advisory committee meeting at 5.30 p.m. at Legion Hall. Then moving to Tuesday, there is a Library Board of Trustees History Special Meeting at 8.30 a.m. at the McCall Public Library. Then moving to Thursday, there is an Airport Advisory Meeting at 12 p.m. at Legion Hall. Then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a Planning and Zoning Commission Meeting at 4.30 p.m. at Legion Hall. And also February 7th, there is a Tree Advisory Meeting at 7 p.m. at 413 Rio Vista Boulevard, McCall. As for performances, the McCall Winter Carnival has kicked off and will be going until February 5th. There are tons of interesting ice sculptures, food vendor court opens on Friday, and Sunday evening there is the closing fireworks ceremony. Highly recommend go checking it out. And then also Wednesday and Saturday, the Alpine Playhouse is performing Murder Runs in the Family at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $10 a person and can be bought at the door or at the Barn Owls Books. In fun stuff, there is cross-country skiing and snowshoeing at the Meadow Creek Golf Resort from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. For an adult day pass, it is $10, and for a youth, it is $5. It will be going until April 30th. For more information on anything talked about, go to the McCall City website or check the link in the description below. Cascade in performances, there is the 2023 Idaho Sled Dog Challenge at Lake Cascade Boat Access Parking Lot. It ends Wednesday of this week. In Fun Stuff, Friday, there is a dinner from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at American Legion. Also Friday, there is a swing dance class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and it is free for all ages to attend. It will be happening at the Valley Club building. It will be on country and land dancing. If you have any questions, call Steve at 208-861-8486. And then lastly, on Friday, there is bingo at the Senior Center from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. For more information about anything talked about, go to the link in the description below. 
Lewiston, in city events, we have just two here. Thursday, there is a historic preservation commission meeting from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at 215 D Street, Lewiston. And then next Monday, February 6th, there is a city council work session from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. at 215 D Street, Lewiston. As for fun stuff, Monday, there is a grown-up game night from 5 p.m. to 6.45 p.m. at the library. There will be arcade games, VR, Xbox, and some other fun stuff. Then moving to Tuesday, there is Tuesday at the library from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. They'll have snacks, and they'll be having a Smash Bros. video game tournament, plus some other fun stuff. Then moving on to Friday, there is coffee and books from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Lewiston Library. In other events, Wednesday, there is an after-school Junior's Master Garden Lab from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Lewiston Library. You will need to register for that. Then moving to Thursday, there is Quilting with Coral from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. at the Lewiston Library. Also Thursday, there is an after-school art new learning lab from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Lewiston Library. And also on Thursday, there is the middle school girls STEM club meeting. It is being held from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the library. For more information about anything talked about, go to the Lewiston City website or check the link in the description below. Moscow got a couple things here in performance. Tuesday, there is a free showing of McKay and Miss Miller film. Then moving to Thursday, Amadeus will be playing at 7 p.m. at the Kenworth Theater. Tickets are $7 a person. Then Saturday, there is an event called DJ Day's Backstage Mix Event from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. at the Kenworth Theater. Also Saturday, there is the Moscow Winterfest from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at Main Street. And then lastly, Sunday, the NT Live will be performing Much Ado About Nothing at 4 p.m. at the Kenworth Theater. For more information on anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Coeur d'Alene got two things here for City. Wednesday, there is a pedestrian and bicycle advisory committee meeting at 4 p.m. at City Hall. Then next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a City Council meeting at 4 p.m. at the library. And then lastly, in other events, Wednesday, there is a boat expo from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Hagadon Marine Center. For more information about anything talked about, go to the Coeur d'Alene City website or check the link in the description below. Post-fall is going to be really quick. We just have one city event here. Next Tuesday, February 7th, there is a city council meeting from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at City Hall. For more information about that, go check out the Post-Fall City website. Wrapping up the events with Sandpoint, as for performances, Friday and Saturday, there is live music from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. at Barrel 33. Then moving to Saturday, there is an annual heart ball. There will be dinner, dancing, and a dessert auction. Then moving into fun things, Saturday, there is the Clark Fork Market from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Clark Fork Filling Station. The market ranges from a type of flea market to farmer's market slash craft fair. So if you're interested in finding some unique things or some local produce, I would check that out. For more information about anything talked about, go to the Sandpoint City website or check the link in the description below. off the news here we have our first story car burglaries at boise trailhead this comes by ktvb7 by jude binkley so last saturday the boise police reported that they responded to 10 car burglaries at trailheads the trailheads affected were 8th street extension camel's back colister holes gulch and polecat 
Police have said cases like this happen throughout the year, usually with an uptick in the summer when more people are hiking, but they are seeing a rise in burglaries this winter. Three of the cases at Camelsback Park were a smash and grab case where purses and bags were visibly in the car seat. Some of the other cases were the result of people not properly locking their cars. People on hikes or runs are more in danger because of the amount of time they're away from the car. Thieves know this and it gives them the best possible chance to get something and get away with it. Police recommend if you bring valuables with you to take them on your hike or walk, don't bring them at all or at least hide them out of view if you're going to keep them in their car. This way thieves are less tempted to break into the car. In short, according to the BPD, lock it, hide it, or keep it. It is sad to hear because, you know, we all want to just go out and hike and enjoy it. And then we think, well, we're out in a rural place. There's less of this to happen and occur. Other hand, thieves know that, that you're going to be out and you're going to be away from the car. And there's not as much other, there isn't as many people keeping an eye on what's going on or what's happening. Unless it gives them a perfect instance to try to get something. I mean, it's a best practice, even if you're not going on a hike. If you've got something valuable, hide it in the car, try to put it underneath seats or back, or just carry it with you. I mean, I hardly ever leave my wallet or personal belongings in my car. It always comes along with me and I carry it with me. I don't keep in the car. If you were to look in my car after I leave it, there are hardly any valuable things unless you care about the like tools or different like uh, emergency accessories in the trunk that I may or may not have. Um, but yeah, I guess keep, be aware people, it seems to be happening a little bit more in the Boise area, particularly in this case, trailheads, cause you're away from the car more often. Um, but yeah, make sure if you're gonna bring something with you, take it with you. Um, don't bring it at all if you can't, or uh, try to hide it in your car as best you can so it doesn't tempt someone to want to break into the car because there be a ton of other people probably that don't, and then they uh, criminal comes along and looks in and says, oh, that's easy, and that person doesn't have it in the car, doesn't look like it, and they just go for it. Get some stuff to look out for and keep an eye on. Next story here is a possible new bar in McCall. This comes by the Boise Dev by Autumn Robertson. Normally, I would have put this in quickies, but there's a little bit of a twist to this story that I thought was worth continuing in here and putting it in a full story. So there are plans for a new bar on Lenora Street in McCall, and a company by the name of Raz, R-A-Z-Z LLC, wants to build it. But the catch is, is that just down the road is the McCall Community Congregational Church. To start off with this, the church sent a letter to the city council saying they were all right with the bar as long as the bar did not serve alcohol before noon on Sunday. Later, it was discovered that the bar would not even be open before noon, so the church rescinded its letter and sent a new letter with no objections, but that if plans were ever to change, that they would need to revisit the issue. Quoting the church, After the meeting with our church board, we have no objections within the parameters presented in our explanation. However, if her business plan would change and be in conflict of the mission of the church, our original no objection to the bar beginning at the building located at 200 Lenora Street McCall would need to be revisited as the integrity of the church is always our concern. Lastly, the reason this is noteworthy is the city council has to vote on the proposal again because of the updated position of the church, which I know for some people that may come outside of the religious realm, if you want to call it that, or of just kind of uh, churches and things. It is a gamut that Christianity, I personally believe, I know there might be some Christians that would disagree with my position on this. I think the scripture gives a wonderful argument that that of alcohol, that of wine and these things is something that was created, that we see Jesus consume them in scripture. We see it talked about in scripture. It is not, alcohol is not shied away from, nor is it said explicitly to be something that you shouldn't consume. It does regularly in the Psalms and many other areas in the Proverbs state that it's something that you shouldn't 
overindulge in and that you must have moderation and carefulness. And if you cannot be moderate and you cannot be responsible with it, then you can't have in your life. And so I do agree here with the church's position, as long as they are observing the Sabbath and being respectful of when the church is having their service and everything to not be a temptation for those that may have an issue with leaning into that sin or that vice, then I see, I would agree with the church in this position that there is no reason that they can't open their business and run it. It's fine. But, you know, the laboriousness of the uh, city board having to re-vote on it, it is kind of frustrating, I have no doubt, because they're like, we just had a meeting, we need to have another meeting, and all this other stuff. But um, I think this is the only reason it was noteworthy was because of the church and the fact that the city board had to re-vote on it. But it was still something interesting enough. I thought I'd throw it in here. As you can tell, as we kind of go through this, this was kind of a little bit of a slow news week in general. I mean, there'll be a couple stuff in the update section and like the quickies, um, but there wasn't like a lot of big stuff this week, but we'll continue on here. Ken Bass laid off. This comes by the Boise Dev by Donde. Ken Bass, who has been the morning radio host for 94.9 The River over the past 19 years, was let go from his position. Mr. Bass told the Boise Dev, quote, I've been in Boise Radio since 85. It's been quite a ride. In a post that he posted on Instagram, he said he'd already been considering retiring since he will be turning 71 in March. But the station made the decision for him with the corporation that owns the station announcing layoffs among all of its properties. For those curious, the station is owned by Los Angeles-based Lotus Corp. 94.9 was not the only station Mr. Bass served on the Valley. Since 1985, he's been on KBOI K-106 and the river for the last 19 years. But he holds nothing against them for the layoffs. Quote, management was very regretful and sad that this was happening, but the budgetary cuts are budgetary cuts. The radio business is pretty tough these days, I understand. You know, if I'm being frankly honest, the name does not ring a bell. I personally, one, for a lot of my life, have not listened to a ton of music. You know, I've done more as I've gotten older and stuff. But on the flip side, in general, I just didn't listen to the radio a lot as well. Kind of a little bit as funny or an existential crisis it may be for some people. A little bit. I was born a little young to be consuming a ton of radio stuff before everything started being switched over to MP3s. And then the smartphone world kind of came into its full force. But... I'm glad that things between him and the radio station seem to have gone really well. And it sounds like it was just a perfect timing. It wasn't that he was concerned or worried. It almost may helped him make the decision for him. So I'm glad of that. And I have no doubt that he is either wisely invested or has other means of supporting himself. So I wish him the best. But on the other hand, with like the layoff topic, seems to be uh, upticking with stuff lately. But Sadly, kind of to be expected with the trends that we're kind of seeing with the economy and different stuff. But any case, we'll move on to the next one here. I didn't have a lot, but I felt that for those that cared about the radio station, listened to it, and for a gentleman that has served the Valley for so many years since 1985, that it was worthwhile talking about and giving him a recognition and send-off. Next one is Meridian Canine Rescue Struggles. This comes by KTVB7 by Shira Matsuzawa. In short, the Meridian Canine Rescue Center is drowning in the number of requests from people offering their dogs up for fostering. According to the board president, roughly 30 to 40 owners have put in surrender requests for their dogs every month over the last three to four months. 
Last week, they had 10 inquiries in under 48 hours. The reason for this comes down to many things. Some of it is related to nonprofits and groups that would normally take the dogs that have been having housing issues lately and turning to the rescue center for help. The rest is made up of families that aren't able to support them anymore or behaviors that can't be worked out of the dogs and they can't live with. They're asking for more people to volunteer to be foster homes for dogs until they're adopted, thus allowing them to manage and take care of the increased influx of foster dogs. Which is really, really sad to hear that they're having those issues there. Um, I wonder if this has to do more with the financial things as we just, you know, the previous story about kind of the layoff situation that's going on. If some people are looking at their bottom dollar and they're like, I don't have enough money for the dog, but I need to pay the rent and other stuff. And so they're like, well, I don't want to just throw the dog out in the street and stuff. And so they're turning to foster places and stuff to try to rehabilitate them, try to get them into another wonderful family. And then the center's just like, we can't handle all. I wonder if it's that. I really hope that's not the case because that, that would be a horrible, horrible thing to have to do to give one's dog up because of financial reasons. But on the flip side, hopefully they can get more fosters, more people to help with the influx that is occurring there. I know for me, I've, I thought about it even while reading the article, but personally right now I have a lot of other things going on in my life and I, I can't afford right now to have another dog in the house. But hopefully, you know, if you're out there and you've got some extra room or you don't have any dogs and you've always wanted a dog and you're trying to help or maybe and you want to be able to help or something, maybe reach out to them and check and see if you can give assistance because it sounds like they've had a rather large influx to say the least there. New snow park in Idaho Falls. This comes by East Idaho News by Rhett Nelson. This is a fun story, but it has a bit of a sad foundation. Mr. Rhoda owned Rizzo's Pizza in Idaho Falls until 2020 when he sold it. But five years ago, his son Jamie died in a motorcycle accident. To mourn his death, honor him, and to move on with a new chapter in his life, Mr. Rhoda has started a new snow park on his 42-acre property off Lincoln and Bone Road. According to him, this is an activity that his son would have loved to do, so he's doing it in memory of him. They're providing sleds and tubes for the park, which means you only need to come in your snow clothes. There will also be a food vendor on site with hot chocolate and some other treats for people. They had a late opening with it starting last Friday. But going into future, they're hoping to open up in mid-December each year. They are open Monday and Friday afternoons from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But you will need to buy tickets. You'll have to get those on their website there. I think it's really cool. Um, my condolences to the family. I can only imagine how tough that must have been for Mr. Mr. Rhoda. But on the flip side, I feel that uh, this is probably going to be something that's going to be really great for a lot of people in the area to go. I saw some photos. It's nothing big or grand, but the idea of having a really nice manicured type of sledding course to go down sounds really, really fun. I mean, even... Uh, if there was something like that here in Boise when I was younger. That would have been super, super, super fun. And he kind of comments about that in the article a little bit. There's some quotes from him there where he was talking about that he would see kids trying to go um, sledding and stuff and not so safe places and things and was thinking maybe he could come up with something better and affordable. And that's part of the reason he's uh, providing the sleds and tubes. I'm surprised I didn't have it in here, but like they, they have a he has a numbering on the bottom of the sleds to uh, honor his uh, deceased son. I can't remember the exact pattern or whatever that he uh, decided to do for that, but I'm glad he's doing that. I'm hoping, I'm glad he's doing that. I hope it's a blessing to everyone that gets to attend there. And if you're in the area, go check it out. Maybe it's a fun outing for the day. I don't know what the costs are, but you can uh, check the article below. It has a link in there for uh, their website so you can check out the ticket prices and stuff, but still really cool. And yet again, my condolences to him and the passage of his son. 
Next story here is Idaho Falls Airport also booming. This comes by East Idaho News by staff. So a week or two back, we talked about how the Boise Airport is doing pretty good. Well, the Idaho Falls, or IDA, has done quite nicely as well. 2019 and 2021 were record-setting years for them. And this last year is no different. This year, the airport had a total of 628,329 passengers departing and arriving. That is 183,288 passengers more than 2021, which was 445,041. Some of the factors leading into this have to do with the Jackson Hole Airport being closed temporarily for a little bit. But the airport says it is because of the new airlines and direct flights it is added. In either case, the airport is doing well and it projects to keep increasing the number of passengers coming through. Plus, this year they will continue to expand the terminal and other infrastructure around the airport, which is always cool to hear. I mean, there again, I really need to. I want this next year to go drop by and visit a lot more on the east side of Idaho because I've been up north. I've been all the way up to uh, Coeur d'Alene, I think. I haven't been all the way up to uh, Sandpoint. But a lot of the state, when I go east from Boise and the Treasure Valley area, I haven't actually been to. So I plan on visiting. But it's really cool to hear that it's growing and that there's more of that. I've not seen how big the airport is. I probably should have just looked it up on uh, Google Maps to get an overview of it. The article said it was the second biggest airport in the area, which makes sense. I mean, you've got, I could have my statistics wrong, but you got Idaho Falls. I thought Pocatello, is it Pocatello or Twin Falls? One of the two. Isn't the, them... You guys, like, one of the biggest ones east over there, if I remember correctly. I could have it wrong. Um, but I would have thought one of them would have it over Idaho Falls. But maybe I have my statistics wrong. Maybe Idaho Falls is the bigger one. Or maybe they're just the one that put the money up for the airport. I mean, interesting, like, fact, like, sidetracking a little bit. A lot of the airstrips and airports that we know today, a lot of them were actually built during World War II for the military. And then after World War II, they were just like, okay, we're just going to convert these all. And so they slowly phased them out into the private sector. And then they became all the airports that you know today and everything. But um, before World War II, there were hardly any airports in the U.S. at all, um, let alone um, military airstrips. And so kind of a lot of the infrastructure that we know today for the air transport system in the United States comes from a lot of airstrips that were built for the war. Big, big, big sidetrack, but really interesting to hear, really exciting to hear. It makes it nice so that you guys over there can not have to always drive over to Boise. I don't know what that's like if you guys have to drive all the way over to Boise for some flights if you want to go on a flight because you're like, well, it's just not supported by the Idaho Falls Airport, but then... You're like, well, you know, now we can, which would probably be really, really nice having to not drive as far. I mean, it's not too bad. It's only like four hours. I can hear people being like, no, if my flight's at like 7 a.m. and I have to go at four, ah, which that, 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 that is a very, very fair point. Um, in any case, we'll move on to the next one here. New cell tower in Osborne. This comes by the Shoshone Press by Josh McDonald. In August of 2022, the Osborne City Council approved the building of a 250-foot cell tower near Nicholas Gold Road. The tower is owned and built by Skyway Towers, LLC. They are a third-party developer that works with big carriers to build the towers. With that said, the reason for the building for the tower is to give better coverage, as they say, to an underserved community, which means there was a dead zone in the area for cellular coverage, and there are enough people now to warrant the building of a tower to fill the dead zone. 
In more practical terms, it will help those in the area to have better cellular connectivity and will help emergency services better respond and receive 911 requests. The tower is valued at $200,000 and the cellular network that is going to be provided on it at the start is AT&T and T-Mobile. It was stressed by Skyworks that other providers could be added to the tower at a later date. Which it's always cool to hear having those different things. I know I'm kind of spoiled living down here in the valley, the amount of connectivity and stuff that we have. Um, I know when I go on trips and stuff for fishing and things, then it drops off a lot. Um, and even more so, if you travel back east, I mean, this is coming from an Idahoan and then traveling back east and kind of that connectivity thing. We talk, we hear about like reading articles, bear with me here for a second, that you hear reading about people being like addicted to their phones and not being able to like get off them and like people having to then go like turn their phones off and not have them and all this other stuff, right? And I think, you know, we, we sort of understand that as Idahoans, but for me, I understood it even better when I traveled back east because like in Tennessee, we'll just go with that, an example there, I visited a ton of times around the Nashville area, that it's hard not to have connectivity. You have to like find places. You could go out in the middle of nowhere and there's still connectivity. You can be walking in the woods and you can go in the entire time and you still have connectivity. You can look at whatever social media site you want. There's never like a pl- there's hardly ever a place that you can go where you don't have connectivity, which for me anyways, living in the Pacific Northwest most of my life, all I needed to do was just drive a couple miles outside of any like main town or area and you would lose connectivity, you know, because the mountains we have here, that's the biggest reason is all the different uh, canyons and different things that kind of mess with the signal. It's hard to get signal down into those. And so it makes it a lot more difficult rather than back east. It's a lot more flat and you can cover those areas a lot better with signal coverage. Anywho, with that take, with that kind of interesting side note there, it's good to hear that they're adding that, particularly for the fact for 911 responses and requests and stuff that hopefully people will be able to better communicate and respond to different stuff, and so will police and different things. I guess if anyone from there is listening to that, please comment. Do you think this is a great thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? I, I think it's great, but, you know, it depends on you. It is your community. Is it something you guys are excited about to have that you've been wanting for a long time? That you're like, yes, I can finally make a phone call on my property and I don't have to go to that one spot on the left half where I have to stand on one foot <laughs> to try to get a phone call through, right? Um, or are you like, no, I like not having connectivity. I like to have my landline that is stuck on the wall and that's where it's going to stay, right? <laughs> um, yeah, just let me know, but we'll move on here. Possible Mountain Home Casino. This comes by the Boise Dev by Margaret Carmel. So the Shoshone Bannock tribe held two open houses at the Elk Club in Mountain Home, presenting to Elmore County residents the proposal of bringing a casino to the area. For this to go through, the tribe needs to collect signatures for a petition to the Department of the Interior, since it will be off tribal lands. Then it needs to get approval from the DOI, Governor Brad Little, and the city of Mountain Home to move forward. The tribe met with Brad Little earlier this month about the proposal, but he has not publicly stated his thoughts on it. This process might take about a year. With that said, there's also a second proposal from the Shoshone Paiute tribe for another casino in Mountain Home, but little is known about that one. 
Colby, the Sashon Bannock Tribe Planning Director Liaison, said that they don't want to invest 300 to 400 million if people don't want the project. He also said a lot of the people that he talked to there were very excited about the proposal. Although, according to the article, the Boise Dev asked a couple people there, and many of them were unsure about their feelings about the casino. Many of them said they see the money and jobs it could bring to the area, but they were worried about the negative drawbacks of having a casino so close to the Air Force Base and the possible gambling addictions it might cause for them and the general populace. Which, whenever this gets brought up, it's it's difficult. I mean, bars or something that are so small, so people usually don't you know worry about them a ton, but I think... We all often very much think about the casinos. When we think of casinos, we think of Las Vegas and that and everything and the stuff that you hear about that happens down there. And I have no doubt there are probably casinos that are run great and it's probably not a problem. But on the other hand, it is definitely a business that's a little scammy and a little iffy at times and so I could totally understand the people living in the area that are like yeah we could have this and then we'd have kind of these cool kickbacks and there would be all these jobs and stuff but is this really the type of crowd that we want to attract and the type of people that we want in town and what we want Mountain Home to kind of be known for besides the Air Force Base is that really really what we want or is it better to keep that temptation further away from us in a bigger city where that kind of all gets drowned out rather than a small town where that would be one of the only kind of major occupations in the area which I think are fair concerns and warrants um, if it was me personally I would vote against it and I wouldn't support it if I was in that area but I'm I don't live there I'm not someone from Mountain Home I don't live in Mountain Home I don't understand the ins and outs of it. It will be interesting to see if Brad Little does put a public comment on it, what he thinks about that. I also am curious why like two tribes, you have the Shoshone Bannock tribe and the Shoshone Paiute tribe are both trying to build casinos. When I was reading the article, I couldn't tell if it was like the same casino or if there's like two separate ideas or proposals for some casinos there. I'm not sure, but I don't understand. Like there's got to be some logic that's going on there. Why those tribes aren't trying to do it on their own land and they're trying to get it in town. I'm wondering if that has something directly to do that they're looking at demographics and numbers and thinking about like the Air Force Base and some of the young men that work there and stuff and being impressionable and they have all this kind of discretionary income from the government because, you know, they're they're not having to worry about a ton of other stuff in their life and so they can spend it and then move along and whatever. I, I, I'm not sure if it's that. That sounds really, really predatory and I wouldn't encourage that if that's like the case and I would there again vote no. But I don't know. Um, I mean, the only benefit I can think in my mind, I mean, this is all my opinion and conjecture here, is that it would bring more money to the town. If the town was struggling to support an economy and was struggling to support commerce and stuff in the area, then I could see it being a very viable option to take. But then on the other hand, that's like all I can see. I mean, one could argue entertainment, but... I don't know, for me personally, I feel like there's a hundred other things you could do that would be far more fulfilling, far more entertaining that like everyone in that town couldn't join in that would be way more family friendly, be it certain theaters or plays or bikes or parks or yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot of things, especially with an investment of 300 to $400 million that you could put into something that would give back a lot more to the com community. 
Um, but it will be interesting to see as that progresses. If you're from Mountain Home, send me an email or send me a tweet on Twitter. What do you think of this? Do you like it? Are you excited about it? Or do you really not like it? And if so, why so? I'm curious to hear what your guys' opinion are on that. Next one is new news on Cascade Pharmacy. This comes by the Boise Dev by Autumn Robertson. So apparently last February, the only pharmacy in Cascade caught fire and burned down, leaving most of you up there having to drive 30 minutes to McCall to pick up any prescriptions. Well, there is an update for that from the owner, Ben Watkins. He has stated that it has been a slow process, but the plan is to rebuild the pharmacy. The main reason for it taking so long is insurance claims. The claim being filed is rather large and involves multiple arms, which take time to submit, revise, and approve. Mr. Watkins said, quote, I tend to look at that. And there's a lot of community support, support from the hospitals or from a town, support from the board of pharmacies. And then you've got a lot of professional support from other people in the profession that's reached out and offered support in any way. I think everybody likes a real kind of rally around here. I would be fairly surprised if it didn't happen this year. I'm pretty certain we're going to get something going, which it's sad to hear about the uh, Cascade Pharmacy. I don't think I may have been through Cascade this last summer. I don't remember. Um, I didn't notice anything particular, but then again, you kind of pass through rather quick. That's on me. But yeah, that sounds like a horrible situation to be in at times where you're like, I just want some stuff. And then the weather and snow and different stuff. You're like, I have to drive 30 minutes all the way to McCall to get a prescription filled. I mean, I think sometimes here in Boise and the Treasure Valley, we're a little spoiled because like, it's usually like, well, honey, you need, we need to switch it over to that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have, ha have Walmart fill it out because it's cheaper than the other one. Like the amount of options that we have here in the Valley compared to other parts of the state where it's like, there is the one place and we go to that place and that is the place we use or we drive very, very very far. <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that things are moving forward. It's understandable with the size of the claim. I understand that, that like the, the amount of things that they're having to go through and verify. Okay, let's verify this and verify that and verify this and verify that and all the equipment and different things and meds and stuff that were, you know, probably caught in the fire and things, um, how long that can take. But it's good to hear that they're getting close to finishing that and that they'll be able to move forward with rebuilding and that you guys will be able to get your prescriptions a lot quicker and in town there. New interchange for US 20 and I-15 in Idaho Falls. This comes by East Idaho News by Rhett Nelson. The Idaho Transportation Department has decided what to do to help with the traffic on Interstate 15 and US 20. This comes after five years of discussion on the topic and planning. I would go into detail about the changes, but I think it would be far easier for you to look at the images on the article. They kind of have a video. But in general, it would involve a new connector plus several miles of new road and off-ramps. As it stands right now, the project is expected to cost between $2,500 and $300 million. Most of this will come from federal funds, which will take a while to get. So the construction is not expected until at least 2028, which I have no idea what the traffic is like over there. Hopefully you guys can comment or uh, message me about that. It seems like just traffic everywhere in the state is bad and roads need to be expanded. I know over here, one really bad spot is the roads between like when you get into Nampa and then the length into Caldwell. And they've been working on building those and opening the lanes up. So, you know, it's a full four lane, I think like four lane or three lane on each side going so that you don't have bottlenecks all the time, which I'm really looking forward to being over in my area neck of the woods. 
but I have no idea there. Looking at the images, it looks like a pretty extensive thing, like a full connector going into, I don't know, it looked like it was downtown or main city area, which that's going to be a ton of construction and work. I know they're working on a new connector here in the Treasure Valley area that goes from, I think, like the Nampa right after the, or right before the Nampa exit. And then we'll go all the way and connect Eagle and Emmett for quicker travel, which will be cool to see if that finishes. But hopefully this works out for you guys. I mean, I hope it would happen quicker, but welcome to roads and government and funding and everything. I, I sometimes wonder, especially with these roads and projects, that if it, it's, it's, if it's a problem of regulation that's causing it, you know, because there were times where you could see and read in history in America where we could get other projects done so quickly. It was just like boom, 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 boom. But now it just takes forever. I mean, 2028 at the earliest they're expecting to kind of work on it and get started when you guys are already having a problem. that That's almost like a decade down the road. I mean, we've already kind of gone through quite a lot of the 20s so far, but still it's so long. I wish they could try to figure this out a lot more quickly. But then again, you got this red tape and you got that environmental group that's over there and trying to be that. And then these people and these neighbors that are like, what about my property and house? Which is a fair point. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. Um, that have to be talked about and then consulted about that. And then you have to figure out how am I going to get the funds? And the city's like, well, we can't get the funds. And the federal government's like, well, you can get the funds if you get them from us and you file these paperwork. And then the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, when you think about it at times, it makes sense. And at other times, you're just like, why, 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 why? But hopefully when it does come, it will be a much needed relief and it will have been designed future proof enough that when it's built, it will take several years before they ever need to change or do upgrades to it, which is the hope and prayer of any project, right? Continuing with roadish type of news, I-15 bridge damage. This comes by the East Idaho News by Nate Eaton. Officials from Blackfoot, Idaho are warning drivers traveling north on Interstate 15 that the bridge near Milepost 95 is damaged in the slow lane. From the photos, it looks like a concrete section between the bridge service and the interstate road, you know, where those like two meet where you've got the concrete of the bridge, then you've got like the asphalt and everything is kind of broken up where it looks like it's been broken before the concrete and everything, causing kind of a deep rut. On Tuesday, the transportation department sent out crews to work on the broken section. As of writing this, they're still determining what the cause of the damage was. If you're curious, I recommend going out and researching that and looking at some of the articles. But yeah, as, a, as of the reading of this, as far as I know, um, they don't know what the exact cause was for the amount of damage that occurred but they are working to fix it and repair it. So if you're sitting there and you're like, why is it taking so long and different stuff and road conditions and yada yada, then that's probably the reason why, because you know, you kind of don't want to have people blow tires uh, hitting that because it looks gnarly enough. You could really do a bit of damage, maybe even a little damage to the sidewall of a tire and stuff. Um, but hopefully it hasn't caused too much of an issue for you guys over there. I know it's kind of a short one, but I thought it was worth putting in like the main ones for a little bit of discussion and talk. Yeah, hopefully everything gets worked out there. Another short one, but yeah, fun. Uh, Boise Zoo and Rescue Mission get huge donation. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. So Saturday, MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust donated $750,000 to the rescue mission and $500,000 to the Boise Zoo. The zoo says they're going to be using the money to revamp the Red Panda exhibit, which was built in 2004, and also add new accessibility paths near the new 
exhibit that they would then approve for the panda. They're hoping to have all the renovations done by 2024. Look at that. Like I was just talking about. Not speed. Private industry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Getting it done a lot faster. Then again, it's not a road, and they own the property, and it's in there. So, you know, that that is very, very, very fair. But cool to see. I'm glad that they uh, donated that. You know, it's always helpful for those organizations. Hopefully, it looks like they're spending it wisely. When I was reading the article, they didn't have a whole lot on what the rescue mission is going to do with it. But I'm assuming that funds are going to be given for food and improving housing and shelter and different stuff and medical treatment and things for those that are suffering from homelessness. But yeah, still interesting one. Cool thought to hear as the Boise Zoo is doing stuff. I mean, maybe it was just me for those in the Treasure Valley. I think I remember hearing about the Boise Zoo like several years back that they were going to do a bunch of improvements and stuff. I haven't kept up with it a ton because I haven't gone. I should probably go this year and go see if they've changed or updated things. Um, but I could have sworn there was like a lot of really cool things they were going to be adding and stuff. And on that note, for like, I think it's the Pocatello. You guys have a really cool zoo. I didn't know you guys had a zoo over there until I actually started this podcast. and was like digging into research. Looks like a really nice one. I mean, comparable in size. We're not talking like, you know, you're going down to California Zoo or somewhere, right? But still really looks like a really, really interesting zoo. I'm going to have to drop by sometimes if I'm in the area. Data on what Idahoans think of Idaho. This comes by the Boise Dev by Don Day. So the School of Public Service and Idaho Policy Institute at Boise State University have released their annual survey of Idaho. It goes over topics such as property tax, education, growth, and other things. They got opinions from 1,000 Idahoans. But first off, 37.3% of respondents stated that over the next two years, they expected Idaho's economic conditions to get worse. And 35.6% of respondents said they expected it to stay about the same. And 21% responded they expected to get better over the next two years. The second question was, would you say the state of Idaho is growing too fast, too slow, or about right? 67% said it was growing too fast, 23% said it was about right, and 4.6% said it was growing too slow. The third question was, in the past year, has your rent gone up, gone down, or stayed about the same? 64.7% said their rent had gone up, 31.7% said it stayed the same, and 1.4% said it had gone down. The fourth question asked was, in general, would you say that your property taxes in Idaho are too high, too low, or about right? 55.9% said they were too high, 31.8% said they were about right, and 1.9% said they were too low. Lastly, in some other interesting facts from the survey, 86.7% of Idahoans said they had not been a victim of any crime in the past year. Good to hear. Eight out of 10 Idahoans said that sales tax on groceries should go away. And 72.1% of those surveyed stated that the top legislative priority should be education. Very interesting things to see. I mean, a very interesting survey to be sure. But on the other hand, I feel that only surveying um, a thousand Idahoans is rather small um, in the grand scheme of the scale of Idaho. I mean, even if you were, I feel like even if you were to survey like 2% of the Treasure Valley, and then like another 2% of the east side of Idaho, and then maybe a little bit there in the Twin Falls, Mountain Home kind of like area, you know. Um, and then you went up north, and then you did a survey of like McCall, a little bit there, a Cascade, and then you went a little farther north and got Lewiston, and then Coeur d'Alene and Post Falls and all that. 
it would be more than a thousand Idahoans. I mean, yeah. So I feel like the number on this survey is a little low. Um, but any case, still, it does give an idea a little bit about things. I know they're kind of quoting these numbers and you can see that the legislator is kind of going this direction that the, the last couple of days, the Idaho legislator has been very focused on education bills, which they're just taking these notes into hand, be them accurate or not. I don't know. Um, it is kind of funny to hear kind of looking at some of these things that like said their property tax was like about right. 31.8%. I mean, some of this gift stuff gives me a chuckle because I like think, you know, if, you know, your property tax could be cheaper, I think I'd like my property tax cheaper, like more money in my pocket to do what I want. But uh, that's just me. <laughs> um, it was also interesting in some of the points where you have like the one per, 1.4% or something or the 1.9% that are like, yes, my property tax is too low. I want it higher. I'm like, what? What? What, 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 how much money do you have, you know? Um, but it, it, it's always interesting. I mean, I, I do have a soft spot for statistics. I know some people out there might be rolling their eyes at me about it, but I find them interesting. I mean, be them accurate or not, kind of just chewing through them and looking at them um, helps us to sometimes get a better perspective of the world around us that we might not be able to otherwise get because we're only limited to the social circle that we're in. Um, and sometimes we don't always respond 100% honestly when we're talking person to person, but when it's like an electronic survey or something where you know it's going to be anonymized, people sometimes will be a little bit more honest about what their feelings and opinions are. Um, but still interesting. You can go into the article and I think there's a, you can look at the full report and stuff. Very, very interesting to read, but those are kind of the highlights to pull out of it. Now, this is the last one and the interesting one. The one I just read, I thought about doing that for this, but I felt like this kind of landed in that spot a little better because it was just a fun, relaxed little bit about Idaho rather than statistics and numbers and stuff, which isn't quite what the last bit, the interesting kind of fun one is supposed to be. As the name implies, fun. So I'll go for what's the funnest for most people. Say hello to the Wax Wings. This comes by the East Idaho News by Bill Sheese. This Saturday, a large flock of Bohemian Wax Wings was seen near the Chester Dam northwest of Ashton, Idaho. What makes this special is one, because Bohemian Wax Wings don't stay in one place for very long. They migrate wherever they have the most abundant food. This year, they are usually in southern Utah and Arizona, but it appears they've moved up north now. Lastly, something I did know that makes this special and is something interesting about Idaho, there are only three species of waxwing in the world. The first one is the Bohemian, who visited this Saturday. The second is the Japanese waxwing, which is in Eastern Asia. And the third is the cedar waxwing, which you may have heard of, which have their nesting grounds in Southeast Idaho. So next time you're in Eastern Idaho, maybe look around for the uh, cedar waxwings. Also, the article has some really interesting photos. Now, a side project that I had when I was younger was birds. I love them so much. I almost ended up being an ornithologist. That's just the study of birds. But I have to admit, if you've never seen a photo of any bird from the waxwing family, they are a beautiful bird. They look like this kind of cool aerodynamic yet not bird. They're just really, really pretty. They have kind of a cream color to them. I will admit when I pulled the article up and it was talking about bohemian waxwings, I was like, what is a there's the cedar waxwing. I know that. Why are we talking about bohemian waxwing? And then we got into the last half where they gave kind of that interesting fact. And I was like, 
Oh, these are like two different things. They're very, very similar, but they're two different things. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Some birds, they like migrate around the U.S. that there isn't like a zone that they sit and kind of stay in. I know something that's like not exactly like that, but a sim similar is like during the winter, you'll see the juncos. They kind of have a black head on them and they look like a house sparrow. And they'll come down into the valley because they, they like the cold elements, but then they go up into the mountains for the warmer season. So it's always cool when I go and travel up there. I'm like, hey, hi, you know, you can see them and they're flitting around and I'm like, I'll see you wintertime. You'll come back down. <laughs> But I highly recommend going and looking at the photos. And then also, it's really cool to think that, like, the cedar waxwing, its main nesting area, its nesting grounds are here in Idaho, that there's something very special about that, especially when there's only three species of the waxwing in the world, and one of them nests here in Idaho, its nesting grounds. I know I've seen a lot of them around the Bruno Sandus. There's a big population there the last time I remember visiting. And they're really cool. They kind of flit around and do stuff. They're kind of a little larger or not a little larger, I'd say about the same size as like a robin, maybe a little bit more. Kind of remind me of like the slice of a blue jay, if you've ever seen those, or a stellar jay, which is more common here in Idaho. But still, very, very pretty birds. Highly go recommend looking at the photos that they had there. Just really, really cool birds to see. Move on to the quickies here. First one up in quickies, Lewiston Reservoir Update. This comes by CBS2 News by staff. As of 4.50 p.m. last Wednesday, the boiler water alert was lifted from Lewiston. Modifications were made to the water system to connect different reservoirs and disconnect the affected one. According to the city, all water samples taken have returned negative for contaminants, so the water has been deemed safe for tap use. With that said, people may experience some discoloring water or irregularities. If so, the city is asking people to call 208 984-7096 so crews can figure out what the issue may be. New Porsche dealership in Idaho. This comes by the Boise Dev by Donde. Porsche Boise has filed plans to build a new dealership in the Boise Auto Mall. The dealership would be 21,220 square feet. The dealership will be seeking design review approval in front of the city of Boise on February 8th. Idaho and 19 state lawsuit about immigration. This comes by KTVB7 by Tracy Bringhurst. On January 24th, Idaho Attorney General Ralu Labrador and 19 other states filed a immigration lawsuit against the Biden administration. The lawsuit argues that the immigration program that the Biden administration has been following has burdened states with more problems, an influx of people, and has no legal authority. The section of the lawsuit stated by Idaho says, quote, Idaho experiences similar harms. Idaho spends significant amounts of money providing services to illegal aliens because of the federal government's abuse of federal law. These services include education services and health care, as well as many other social services. Federal law requires Idaho to include illegal aliens in those programs. Like many Western states, the number of illegal aliens in Idaho continue to increase. Likewise, the increasing number of illegal aliens receiving such services, end quote. Givens Hot Spring Update. This comes by KTVB7 by Shira Matsuzawa. Three weeks ago, the Givens Hot Springs roof collapsed and sent seven people to the hospital. One of those seven people was a nine-year-old boy. The front of his foot was crushed by a piece of the roof, but he is recovering and has physical therapy ahead. Quoting the attorney for the family, Patrick Mahoney, 
All I can say is that they have reached out to the company and to their credit, the owners forwarded our communication to the insurance company. Their insurance company did promptly, again, to their credit, get back to us and indicate to us that they are simply gathering up information and amalgamating the information on various victims and will be in communication with everybody here on down the road. Hopefully they will continue to work with us, but we know if they don't, as happens in our system, there is a civil court system for recourse. USS Idaho submarine update. This comes by KTVB7 by Shira Matsuzawa. Members that will be assigned to the USS Idaho nuclear-powered submarine, which is currently under construction, are visiting in Idaho right now. Last Tuesday, they spent the morning at the Idaho Veterans Cemetery with former Idaho Governor Derek Kemthorne. The USS Idaho will be the first naval vessel to be named as such in more than 100 years. The christening of the ship is scheduled for next year. Alaskan Airlines might be cutting destinations to Boise Airport. This comes by the Boise Dev by Ann Daly. Alaskan Airlines will no longer be offering flights from Everett, Washington to Boise. When the Boise Dev reached out to confirm flights were officially canceled, they are still waiting to receive a reply. With that said, they are still offering nonstop flights to 15 different locations from Boise. Multiple vehicle wreck near Twin Falls. This comes by the East Idaho News by staff. Last Monday, January 23rd, there is a three-vehicle collision on US-93 near milepost 35. It involved a semi-truck, a 2016 Dodge, and a 1995 Chevrolet S10 pickup. The road was closed for about two hours as they cleaned up the scene. GPS interruptions near Mountain Home expected. This comes by the Mountain Home News by staff. Heads up for those near Mountain Home. The Air Force Base will be conducting training south-southeast of Bruno near Sailor Creek Range. Between 4.30 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. It is possible that interruptions in GPS signal may occur. They are warning people to be careful and be prepared for equipment and devices that rely on GPS to not work quite as well as usual. Lastly, fresh lobster coming to Boise. This comes by the Boise Dev by Gretchen Parsons. Freshies Lobster Company is opening Wednesday. The owner is from New England, and the first location they opened was in Salt Lake City in 2009. They have other locations now and a food truck, but this will be their first location in Idaho. Their slogan is from shore to door in 24. If I missed something or got something wrong or you have some advice for the show, then send me an email at localyokelidaho2002 at gmail.com or tweet me at localyokelidaho on Twitter. This show is just a one-man show, so I can't afford to go over everything, but hope I can cover as many things as possible. Thank you for your support, and that's all for now. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Godspeed.